Back to more John Chuckery. He's in the zone. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Rob Triple for John Chuckery. Talking about the Hawks. You know, talking about this uh, untenuous position the Hawks seem to be in. You have a coach, very old school type of coach. He prefers more polished players. You've got two players over the age of 25 on this team. A.J. Griffin, rookie, but he seems to be pretty polished. But you got a lot of players with raw talent, but Nate prefers the more polished players. Therefore, the less polished players aren't going to get as many minutes. But how can they become more polished by getting more minutes? <laughs> But Dylan and I were talking, Dylan Matthews, before the break, and I, I saw just a blurb. Now, back in uh, 2013, David Stern decided to kind of overhaul the way the game is played. It used to be like a street fight in the lane. I mean, they had shock body outlines in the paint back in the day, and I love that stuff. That's what I grew up on. But he figured, you know, if you open that up, you get more scoring, you really get to see the athleticism. I understand what he did. I mean, I still enjoyed the NBA. I still do. But it has changed a lot. But I remember a couple of years ago, and gosh, I wish I could remember the team. They had, some, they had some center that was actually playing old school back to the basket, and I just saw just an old school type game, and you brought the old Memphis teams who were. I mean, it was basically like first team to 90 wins that game. I wonder if that type of play, if you decide to put a classic type lineup in there, I don't know if it worked, though, because of the way fouls are called now. I mean, you have touch fouls now, pretty much. Yeah, right? you, you couldn't. You couldn't have. Uh, I'm not sure if you could have a guy like Tony Allen still in there, who really is strictly defense and, and right. can't shoot, unless you have like a whole bunch of other shooters around him. Yeah, you, you just need the. You just need a, a very specific type of personnel. Like you could have a guy like the Joker in there. I think the Joker would have worked in in any type of uh, – in any generation just because I think he does right. have a good skill set down right. low, but he can also right. spread the floor. So right. that's, that's why he works in today's NBA. So you would just need a lot of, you know, good two-way players. Um, so it's hard to, to, to really think if, if it will work in today's game. I think it would, but you, you hit around the head. Depending on, you know, how well those those uh, that team would guard without, you know – being right. too handsy because, I mean, that'll get you in trouble in today's NBA. And, and clearly now defense seems to be de-emphasized. I mean, I mean seriously. Defense almost seems, seems recommended these days. It's recommended or, or maybe just a, a subtle S- – Suggestion. Subtle <laughs> suggestion, yeah. Because I, I'm going to compare it to football because what is football now? Spread the field out and throw the ball everywhere. But guess what still wins games? Really good dominant defense and being able to run the ball. I mean, that will never it, – it might go out of style – but it's always going to win. It's like that. It's like your dad's old comfortable Lincoln Continental. That thing ran no matter what. It may not be a fancy sports car, but it got you to Florida for vacation, you know. And it, it, it kind of happens that way in the NBA a, a lot of times. I'll be interested to see how it how it translates in in the NBA Finals this year. But a lot of the times when you get to the conference finals, when you get to the NBA Finals, you know, shooting is definitely still important. It's a main yep. a key to winning, but. The refs still really swallow their list, whistle a lot and, and when it comes down to the conference finals. They let and the you NBA get a little finals. bit more physical yeah. in the finals. I yeah. think every, every possession is a little bit more important. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at the box scores from the playoffs the last few years. I don't think you're scoring 140 points in the, uh, not in at the all. finals. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So I, I, I hope 
somehow things can figure out, but I don't, I don't see that Nate's going to change. And for some reason, there's a roster that's not conducive to his approach. It seems like there is a, a vast gulf, a vast disconnect. And as a result, you're looking at a 17 and 20 record with a, with a team that's underachieving, which I thought would be a top five seed in the, uh, in the East. I guess anything's possible. I mean, think about under Lloyd Pierce a couple of years ago when they made that magical run. I was pretty much thinking, wow, in February, this team's done. There's nothing here. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get going. I don't think that's going to happen with Nate as a coach. I don't. Yeah, this this team just – because if you remember, that team, when when after the All-Star break hit, they went on, I believe – I don't know if it was a – I don't think it was a – it wasn't a 17-game win streak. I think it went on a seven-game win streak, and yep. that kind of propelled yep. them. Yep. This team just seems – too wildly inconsistent nope. to go on that type of winning streak this year. I don't, I don't see it happening unless some light switch. And I know there's been some injury. I know, I understand that, but even even with the injuries, you've yeah. been in a lot of these games. You've been just, in a lot of. And you you've even had leads in most of them. You just haven't been able to close them out. And that's where you're supposed to have your quote unquote superstar. That's the guy that's supposed to will you across the drag the team across the finish line. Trey almost strikes me as the type that thinks, "Well, I got my forty tonight. I don't care." And I hope that's not the case. I get that impression. I'm not being unfair. I'm looking at a team that's underachieving with a guy with a Supermax contract as our quote-unquote superstar. So it's, it's been a very frustrating thing to watch. Yeah, I don't know if some come-to-Jesus or kumbaya meeting needs to be had, but it, it needed to happen and already. Who, and, and who is the leader in that locker room? I mean, if John Collins is, I don't think Trey's – I think it's Murray. Murray seems like the most mature out of all of them. Right. The way they won a game. What was that game of the buzzer? Was it Toronto? They won on some crazy buzzer. Oh, when they had the full court thing and then they lobbed A.J. Griffin. Yeah. And uh, Murray's like, I ain't celebrating this win. We we stunk tonight. I like that accountability. It seems like he might be the leader. I don't know. Can you be the leader coming in in your first year? Does he have that gravitas? He certainly seems like he does when he talks to the media. And I know it sounds like a cliche sometimes when you talk about who's the leader. Well, somebody has to be. And then even when uh, last week when you were on Dukes and Bell, and when he when he quotes tweeted Carl Dukes about I should have made those free throws, and it's not on Nate, that's on me. Like, yeah, yeah. If we, I just want to oh, see that's that right, from that's right. Trey. He, he clapped back at Carl in his tweet. <laughs> Why do you call Carl. a timeout? Right. And he did. He said, "Yeah, I should have made the free throws." Right. I like that. Would Trey ever do that? I don't think. No. He, I don't think he would. And and I wonder. Is Trey's father an, an, a bad influence on him as far as the NBA goes? I mean, I'm not going to question a man's relationship with his son, but I'm saying as far as the NBA goes, does he think his son is just beyond reproach? And I don't know. It's just uh, It just seems like an untenable situation. I don't see this team going out and winning 17-20. I don't even see him going out winning 5-6, of six, which is sad. This is a team that's going to be – is this a team that's going to finish 40 and 42? Are they just going to scratch and claw and barely get above 500? I mean, that's what's so maddening. And you're thinking, well, this is uh, there's always next year. Well, that next year is the Falcons. That's when there is a bona fide, tangible next year to get excited about. And by the way, Arthur Smith, the Falcons coach, was on with Dukes and Bell. We're going to hear from him in about 12 minutes. But um. I, I just it just seems like they're in this torturous, horrible, mediocre purgatory. And it's almost 
I will tell you this year it's it's and there's been many years like this when the when the 90s were here I was watching Hawks games they were god awful they were god awful year after year after year but now it almost seems like a burden to watch this team like tonight I'll watch the game against the Kings actually cuz I want to see what uh Kayvon does Kevin Herter does and it's a shame they let him go he should have been a starter last year I think he came off the bench, but he was inconsistent. But you saw what he could do. He closed out the 76ers in that playoff series two years ago by scoring 27 points. So I watched the game tonight. I watched him play the Lakers. I mean, but it's just it's getting to where I, I just get annoyed. I was so annoyed watching that game in Indiana. What was it, last week? And I sat there. I actually hated myself for watching this game. I go, why are you watching this? They don't even want to be there. They played like they did not want to be there, and that's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. And I'm tired of hearing Nate say, we were flat, we were this, we were that. Always the common refrain. There's a, there's a reoccurring theme in this, with this team. We were flat. And I heard Nate pleading with the team to play defense in Indiana. He has to plead with them to play defense. It didn't occur to them. There's no urgency. There's no urgency. And there's only so much your coach can do. It's also incumbent upon the players themselves to feel that urgency to want to do those things. And it's just frustrating to watch. It's, very, it's a very frustrating team to watch. And, uh, you know, the, the sad thing is now, I've seen some people that uh, follow the Hawks. You know, there's a lot of people that peach three hoops and all these other uh, sites, and they do a pretty good job writing about the Hawks. Someone was saying, do we just blow the thing up? Oh, God, no. Can, can we not do that? And it's the weirdest thing about the NBA. You look at the NFL. Quick turnarounds are possible. Hell, look at college football. TCU was 5-7 and seven last year. Look where they are now. With the first-year coach in Sonny Dykes. But it seems like with the NBA, quick turnarounds aren't possible. I mean, the 76ers were on, what, a 12- to 15-year rebuilding program? Something like that. I mean, good. They took the long-term approach. And it's something that's something about the NBA. So when I hear blow it up, I'm thinking, oh my God, five, six years of just I mean, and even being what, in the lottery. Even what the Hawks did. I mean, you could call the Hawks rebuild relatively quick in NBA terms, and that right. still took what three, four seasons. Three, four seasons, yeah, because you knew, yeah, you knew, and somehow miraculously, Mike Budenholzer, he comes in his first year, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You can say what you will about the limitations of that team, but he got them there. And, and what has he done now? He's got a title up there with a Milwaukee. So, it, it's frustrating to watch, I'll tell you that. And that's, um, that's the bad thing about doing this job right here because when the Hawks are not playing well, I'll be honest with you, many nights the last thing I want to do is come on these airwaves and talk about the Hawks because it seems like I have to say the same things over and over and over. At least with the Falcons, I can say, my God, look at the development of Tyler Algier. Will Anderson, interesting prospect at linebacker, being as freakishly athletic as he is. Desmond Ritter, interesting story. Will he necessarily be the guy next year? I don't know. Just bring in somebody to, to push him. I think he could be fine if you just get that monstrosity, get a monstrous defense, a demonic defense is what I like to call it. I want, to, I want guys – with facial tattoos playing defense for the Falcons is what it boils down to, with a teardrop tattoo, too. That's, that's what basically what I want, and I think, I think our quarterback will be just fine. So uh, 
We're taking you up to a 9:30 Hawks and uh, Kings pregame. Like I said, uh, Kings are 20 and 16. Hawks 17 and 20 on a losing streak yet again. The best game I've seen the Hawks play probably in the last month was probably against Brooklyn when Trey was out because of his calf. That maybe I'm being unfair. He got kicked in his calf the night before the Brooklyn game. I think that was in Indiana, and Mike Bell and I were at that game. And you see this full house. You got you got. Kevin Durant, you got Kyrie Irving coming in, and Trey didn't play. And I, I was thinking about, wow, you know what Ronnie Lott did to play a football game? He had part of his finger amputated because if he had surgery on that finger, he wouldn't be able to play. He said, to hell with it, just cut it off. You had Phillip Rivers playing with a torn ACL. Jack Youngblood played a Super Bowl for the Rams with a broken leg, basically. T.O. did the same thing. T.O. with a broken leg in the Super Bowl, yep. And I see that – that bothered me about Trey. I, I just think, would Larry Bird have taken the night off? Would MJ have taken – would Kobe have taken the night off with a calf? Hell no. And how many guys – I mean, I know it's different than the NBA because you need both of your hands, but how many – you know, football especially, how many guys have we seen play with just a club? Yes, Just, yes. just to be able to play. That's, I love the club, too. That's, yeah. it, it, looks, it looks pretty uh, disturbing and dangerous, but it's pretty awesome, though. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Would, would Kobe have sat out that night with a calf? Hell no. Remember when Kobe tore his Achilles? He's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least take these free throws. He made both of them, then he walked off into the sunset. <laughs> I mean, that's what Trey is missing, that. I don't know if he can cultivate that or conjure that. Maybe you're born with that. But it seems like a lot of guys that are so physically talented, they also have that. But there's a lot of guys that are very phys- physically talented that don't have that. That's why they disappear into the uh, background of history, James Harden. Going to come back here from uh, Falcons coach Arthur Smith. He was on with Dukes and Bell today. Get ready for uh, Tom Brady's uh, perhaps last appearance in Atlanta. I don't know. I think he's coming back. But let's focus on uh, Arthur Smith next. Sports Radio 1990 game. To more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Rob Trimble for John Chuckery, Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Interesting thing now, apparently some Fed operatives have moved into place at the Cincinnati Hospital where DeMar Hamlin is a patient. I don't know if it's Secret Service or whatever. Is the president going to come? I mean, clearly that'd be an opportunistic time for a president to come score some political points by uh, (laughs) a... That's a cynic in me, but I'm cynical for some reason because all politicians are opportunistic in that way and they're all ridiculous and they all are beneath contempt as far as I'm concerned. All of them! Arthur Smith. On with Dukes and Bell, and he was asked about his impressions and uh, opinions of the uh, very tragic and sad DeMar Hamlin situation. Obviously, you know, we talked earlier today uh, and made a statement, you know, just how much we're supporting uh, DeMar and thinking about him, and, and there's a lot of prayers, and, and you know, our hearts are out to him and his family and the Bills organization. Uh, certainly it's had an impact on the league uh, when everybody – you know, saw something, an incident like that, and uh, certainly happened before everybody's eyes on a public stage, and it affected a lot of people. And, 
so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm sure I just kind of heard you guys on the intro there talking about, and um, it, it is unprecedented, and and you could tell on the field, and I, you know, with the coaches and the players, and uh, it impacts you as humans and as people, and, and I think people forget that sometimes when they're at the game, get so emotional, get charged, and they take a step back, and and you have some perspective. This is about life, and uh, and a lot of guys, a lot of people in the NFL and the sports world have rallied around. It is the head coach of your Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith. First off, congratulations on the big win. And Desmond Ritter gets his first win, and it's a come-from-behind victory. And the only thing missing was a, a game-winning touchdown. We got a game-winning field goal and almost had his first touchdown throw. Yeah, I thought he played the situation really well. I mean, you get in that – anytime you can end the game uh, on the last play and not give them a chance to answer, uh, I thought he handled the situation really well. I thought Tyler Al- Algier handled it. Uh, you know, the third – the game kind of ended on a third down throw to Pruitt. Um, you know, wanted to put the ball in his hands. Could have gotten conservative there. But, you know, I got a lot of faith in Desmond, and I, he made a heck of a play. Coach, we got one more. I'm calling him one more test. I don't know if it's fair. I don't even know how you look at this. I, I do know just from your short time being here, you don't commit to players. You don't do that with anybody. When you start talking about going into an offseason next week once the year is done, once the season is done. But I'm curious. Just We use this term eye test. Coach, he's passing the eye test for me. Do you? Is he doing it for you? I mean, I don't know. We've had this discussion with fans, and I'm like, yeah, there are things that I want to see more of from Dez, but maybe the circumstances don't allow it. But he's passing the eye test for me, Coach. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think what you're seeing, uh, you know, we've been very encouraged. And, you know, there's a lot of positive things that he's doing. And, and again, I, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and, we weren't blowing smoke up people. I mean, it, we put a lot on them as a rookie, and, and it's a big part of how we operate. And as we continue to to improve and, and grow, I mean, we we feel good coming out of this year about the lines of scrimmage and things we don't. We need to be more balanced. Uh, I think Des has certainly shown uh, he can operate in critical situations when it comes down to third down, two minutes, and he's played some good defense so far. And, He'll continue to improve. I mean, he's going into his fourth game, and and uh, I've been very encouraged so far. I mean, we, we've seen him get Drake London more involved. One thing, now again, I'll, I'm not going to be fanboy or, or stat guy or Twitter nerd, but from where I'm sitting, uh, you get the you get the film and you're breaking it down all week. Are the receivers getting the, the separation too? Sometimes it seems like uh, it's that's not that hasn't been as, as maybe as it could help Ritter out if these guys are a little bit more open. I guess, for lack of a better word, you know it's. There's a lot of things that go on in the play. You know, if you got to move off the spot, uh, you know, the snapshot may, may tell a different story. Uh, certainly, you know, there was a couple of things. We, we tried to push the ball on the field last week. Uh, you know, they were playing. They backed out of there. I thought he made some smart decisions, you know, with the, the last drive, the CP, to check it down and got us kind of going on the drive. There was one earlier in the game off a shot that he got to Algier, and Tyler made a pretty good play with the ball in his hands. I mean, those are efficient plays. And then I thought he threw a heck of a ball to Burke. Right. You know, you talk about moving to his left. Um, those are things that are encouraging. Now we got to the next step. We got to make those plays. Don't get me wrong, but mm. you're seeing a lot of different throws. You're seeing a lot of different launch points, um, and he's operating pretty well for for a young player. So those all those things are encouraging. And then, like you said, the smallest thing can break down a play, and uh, it is nice to see his connection with Drake. Those guys have some chemistry, and that's that's encouraging as well. Coach Arthur Smith, our guest guys here on Dukes and Bell. Coach, I'm not going to ask you because I don't know what we're going to see with Tampa Bay. I don't even know. I don't know if you know. 
But I'm not going to ask you what Todd Bowles would do, but you've been there. You've been on teams that have are going to the playoffs. You're in this position. What's your mindset? I'm asking from your experience in, in the way that you've encountered this, because I don't want to – it's unfair to ask you what Todd Bowles is going to do because I don't know what he's going to do. What have you guys done, and what have you done, and what has been your approach in the past? Well, it just kind of depends where, where you're at, where you think your team's at. I mean, there's a lot of different philosophies about, you know, staying sharp going into that week. Um, so, you know, I, they're going to make the decision that's clearly that's best for them because they're going to turn around and play, a, you know, a week from now. Um, you know, there may be a guy or two that's a little banged up that you rest because that's the smart thing. But, again, you've only got – I mean, I know there's some, you can use some standard elevations, but the most you can put up is 55. So, you got to – you know, guys that you're planning on playing next week, it's not like you can put guys on IR this week to get 15 more guys up. Uh, that's not possible. You can only do two standard elevations. And so, and then you got to get back down to 48. So, if somebody's really dinged up, yeah, they, they shouldn't, they probably, they probably won't play, but most of those guys will be out there. It is head coach of the Falcons, Arthur Smith, was here on Duke's Bell, our weekly visit, short work week as we get ready for the final game of the season. One thing I said on Twitter, and Carl and I have been talking about it, we just love Tyler Algier. Carl talked about it at camp. This guy just hits the hole with ferociousness. And, and now it's, I mean, a thousand-yard receiver on this franchise doesn't happen often. He's got, he needs a hundred yards to get it. I mean, you're going to be a little greedy and try to get it for him on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Obviously, we'd uh, love to get the win, and, it, and that would be cool for Tyler. Um, you know, I think another thing that's not lost on us either, really, with Tyler and Drake, you know, two rookies that have played a lot of, you know, snaps for us over the years on offense, it's encouraging to see them start to peak towards the end of the year. You know, as you build this thing going forward, that's the thing that sometimes gets these guys. It's such a long season. I know you guys hear that a lot, but that part is encouraging. Those guys have improved, and I think both those guys are playing their best football right now. Coach, back on October 9th, I don't want to remind you, but i got to mention this. We got robbed by the officials down there in Tampa. Um, I'm just curious, changes from that game, can you go back that far and look at that game and say, all right, what what did we do? How did we play at the end of that game? Because we were having success. And then implement that into this this week's game plan. Do you do that, or is it just too far gone? No, I mean, you, you look at things schematically. You know, they'll have some new wrinkles, and they may try to attack Des different, uh, you know, on some – passing situations like, like a lot of guys do and you know he's had the does had the kitchen sink thrown at him mm. from new orleans and baltimore and arizona was throwing a lot at him as most people do against young quarterbacks so he'll have a couple of wrinkles there i'm sure he'll throw at him but you know some of the stuff on first second down that it'll be very similar to what we saw earlier and um that's what happens in the divisional games i mean schematically personnel you know each other pretty well and you're trying to tweak things so we're excited about it we want to win another game at home and end the season the right way. I know I asked you about McGarry last week and how he's really improved uh, his effort this season. Uh, Elijah Wilkinson, is he going to be healthy enough to go? And how, do, I mean, how would you grade those guys last week as far as Hennessy, et cetera? Yeah, I thought uh, Matt Hennessy played really well. I mean, it was encouraging. You know, he'd had the one start against the Chargers, and I thought he was playing pretty well before he, he had to go out of that game. And then we put him on IR. He worked his way back. and uh, I thought he played with a lot of speed. In, in the in the run game, uh, playing at guard, I thought he worked well together with with Jake and Drew, and uh, so that that part was encouraging. Elijah, you know, he's we'll see how the week goes. He, you know, he tried to get out there a little bit today, um, and we'll just have to see how the rest of the week goes. But I was definitely encouraged by Hennessy.
Coach, you know, and I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, we talked about it with you, I think, in the offseason, and you were like, we don't care. And, and and what I mean is people were picking this team to win two games, and, and we're 6-10, and 10, right. and we got a chance to be 7-10. and 10. And and I guess, you know, I th- I'm sitting here thinking about the progress that you've made with this roster and what you've been able to do. And, and listen, we've been very um, encouraged and certainly very um, – you know, uh, uh, as far as being on your side to what you've been able to do with this roster, we keep saying more talent, more more this, more that. We're going to be something. Where are you at with what this season has turned out to be? we got one week left. We're a six-win football team. Again, people are picking this team to win two games. Yeah, I mean, I think you go on everything. I mean, you know, we, we came out here, uh, you know, aggressive, and this team has worked extremely hard, and, there's a lot of uh, people talk about culture all the time and the climate you have in the building. I mean, I, I think what's, what's very encouraging if you watch the way our guys work just from, you know, going back to the spring and training camp, but everybody's optimistic and you get into a Wednesday and week 18 and these guys are flying around. That's become our, our culture. You know, guys know they're, they play one way and you see it on Sundays. And we've taken this approach and we set our expectations high and we're never going to sit there and, and lower the bar. So, you know, we're disappointed because we feel like just about every game, it's these guys are, are fighting and, and we've had our chances. And uh, But I think the foundation, what I'm encouraged is the foundation is there. You know, the, the identity, I think people understand when they play us, what kind of game they're going to get into. And uh, so I'm very encouraged. I mean, you've seen it. You know, what Seattle did first couple of years with Pete Carroll, you saw it with Kyle out in San Fran and what happened after a couple of years and, Buffalo too. And so that's when you're trying to build it the right way. And, and people use that word when you have a shared vision and we have some really good young foundational players and we'll continue to add. So uh, the future is very bright for us. I know we'll get a chance hopefully to debrief you or the exit interview next week, but uh, as soon as the season's over, you and Terry Fontenot get together and start prioritizing what you got to get. Yeah, those are strategies and, and things that we plan out and we've got a great football staff and we'll continue to talk. We talk all the time. Um, uh, you know, obviously we're in the season, you're focused, but you also understand that, you know, with the football staff and the planning, because things creep on you quick, you know, the season's long and, you know, it's our job to be ready to go because as soon as the season ends, there's a lot of stuff that we that get going on. you got the senior bowl coming up, all this stuff, and it, it, it doesn't stop. And uh, that's the exciting part about this job. Coach, I just want to ask you this before we let you go. You talk a lot about situational football. Um, we were five and eight or our five and eight and one possession games. We're se- we were seven and two last year. Okay, right. Is that just situational football? I mean, how do you do? How do you define that? Where you go from last season seven and two in those one possession games to this year, and we could go down the list of games, right? I mean, this team could easily we could talk about it. Would have, could have, should have. We could have nine wins. We could have ten wins. Maybe depending. Is that just situational football? No, I mean. That's kind of a broad term. I mean, certainly there's clearly situations that come up, and but you get if you look at them, and, and which I have uh, plenty of times, you know, okay, what what was the difference? Mm-hmm. You know, last year that was a big thing when I got here, and I think you look at some of the last year's games, and some of those were games we had the lead, and and we were able to cap them off. You know, a couple of them went back and forth, like Miami, New Orleans, we were able to hit a play and, and end it very similar to how we ended the one against Arizona. Uh, you know, there's been more times probably this year where we've come storming back, which is probably different from a year ago. And mm-hmm. and you talk about the bounce of a ball, right? The one in, in Washington, mm-hmm. uh, the double fumble and 
the target game. I mean, stuff that, you know, you, 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 you can't even make it up if you wrote it in the movie. Yeah. But, uh, that one, the, the double fumble will, will always be the one that just, yeah. I mean, it, statistically, I mean, for Eckler to fumble the ball there and the fact that we got it and they got it right back. I mean, that, there's some things like that have happened. When you're talking about situational football, are you competent when you have control? Do you not make mistakes in critical moments, uh, procedures? Are your players in tune? Tyler Algier knowing to go down right there, you know, that's not worth the risk. The, when you're inside the five-yard line, yeah, you can punch it in, but why go get a kickoff? I mean, we certainly saw what happened in the Carolina game here at home. Um, things like that. So those things are encouraging. I think our guys at the end of the half where, you know, trying to score, understanding if they get the ball after half, or we're trying to double somebody up at the end of the half, getting the ball back, trying to steal a possession. So I could go on and on and on. Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot of competent things that have happened. And, giving us a chance, uh, but they're two different teams, and those scenarios have been a lot different I know, last year to this year, too. And I know we, we asked you this a few weeks back, but just to double down on it, if we're 500, we're 4-4, four and four, we're leading, we're tied for the division, if the team had struggled more, would you have gone to Ritter sooner, or there was still always going to be a number of weeks you needed Ritter to finally grasp to be ready to play? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen. I mean, but you're trying to, to make sure you're not rushing him out there. I mean, I think a big part of it, too, was there was a lot of encouraging things he did in the preseason, and and so did so did Marcus. But where we we needed to establish up front, that was a big thing for us. Uh, the line of scrimmage. If you put a young quarterback out there, and if you get him back out there, and you and you don't have the protection up front, uh, that that could be a disaster. And 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 so you know, it's kind of where we were at. I thought we clearly had leaned into the way we ran the ball and, and the quarterback running game that I thought gave us a chance early on. And as he continued to improve and where our situation, you've got to be able to adapt and pivot. And that's what we did. You know, we, you assess where you're at. And I thought the timing, you know, sometimes you need a, a little bit of luck. I thought he was ready when we made the change. Could he have done it earlier? Yeah, we would have adapted. You know, it would have been a little bit different. We would have had to take a lot off his plate early on and, mm-hmm. But he was one play away all year. Uh, so I'm happy where he's at right now. And the way it worked out, I think, has been encouraging for Desmond. Cool. Let's go get one more. Um, good we'll, luck on we'll Sunday. We'll be there, Coach. We ain't going. We'll no, be there. no, no, no. We're, we're in this. We're in this. Pound, penny pound, or whatever. <laughs> we're in there. All right. Good luck, Coach. Thanks for the time today. And uh, let's finish strong. I yeah, appreciate it. Good cool. talking to y'all. To more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's my wedding song. Now you know why I'm divorced. Rob Triple in for John Chuckery Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Coming up, uh, top of the hour, my new favorite, favorite segment. Rank them. And I never know where you're going to come from. You you killed me last night, Dylan, with the uh, do your feeder ever go numb when you're sitting on the can? I'm just glad I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. And we've been laughing at this Milwaukee-Toronto game. We're approaching halftime, about 10 seconds left. 39-38, Milwaukee uh, over Toronto. Talk about old school basketball, old school. Rob Tribble. And I kind of joked to uh, Dylan, what are we watching, Creighton and Fordham? All right. Falcons. You heard from Arthur Smith. 
NFL draft, of course, coming up. Yes, it's that time to talk about the draft because it's almost been customary in this town doing Atlanta radio with a game left or games left, you start looking ahead to the draft and not previewing the playoffs because we haven't been to the playoffs in five years. So draft is coming up in Kansas City, April 27th to the 29th. Eagles, Texans, Lions, Seahawks, they will all have multiple first-round picks due to off-season trades. Now, the Dolphins had more than one first-round trade, but guess what happened? There was that small matter of uh, tampering involving Sean Payton and Tom Brady. So, as a result, only 31 picks in the first round. Think about this, Dylan. Does this mean Sean Payton goes back to New Orleans? Brings Tom Brady with him. When I tell you I could if the Saints brought in the brought in Tom Brady, I would never for the rest of my life call them the Saints ever again. I have to call them the Aints, and I would <laughs> literally hate no other thing or being or person more then I would hate the New Orleans Saints Don't we already hate them, though? And not already genetically hardwired to anyone? Yes, but I would hate – my hate would grow <laughs> for them. Grow even more. More than I thought it could ever could. Oh, just that smug look on Sean Payton's face. You want to <sighs> slap it right off him, right? Yes. All right. So the Texans will have the first pick, followed by the Bears, Seattle at number three, the Cardinals at four. If the draft were held today – now, that could change on Sunday, of course. Colts at five, Detroit six – Falcons come in at number seven. What do I want the Falcons to do? I bet it's the same thing all of you want the Falcons to do. Can we find that edge rusher? Can we find that dog in the middle to wreak havoc up the middle? What do you think, Brian? Uh, what, what's the dude at Clem? Brian Breesy? Brian Breesy might be. Is he that would be there at seven? You think? I think he will be. Yeah, yeah, I think he will be because we know Jalen Carter ain't gonna be there. Will Anderson ain't gonna be there. Miles Murphy may not even be there. Another Clemson dude. Here's an interesting guy, though. Tyree Wilson, fifth-year senior, Texas Tech. He came back, basically bet on himself, and he's huge. He's like 6'5", 275. There's a lot of guys like that. Uh, Byron Young. Now, he's an interesting story. Tennessee volunteer. Wasn't even playing football. He was working at a Dollar General store. Saw a flyer for tryouts at Georgia Military. He goes, all right, I'll give it a shot. And apparently, clearly, he's got talent because he's listed on this board right now. So he had that raw talent. That's where I'd like him to go. What do the Falcons need, though? You know, a few weeks ago, you could say right tackle was needed, but Caleb McGarry's played pretty well, hasn't he? You bring him back. I mean, they, they did not take his option. That probably created the proverbial chip on his shoulder. Is he peaking this year? Will he never be this again? I find that hard to believe. Aren't you, aren't you what you are now that you've evolved to that point as, as far as alignment goes? I would like to think so. I mean, the only thing I worry about bringing Kayla McGarry back, one, you definitely bring him back for the right price. Yes. Two, you, yes, you, that's you, key. you just worry about, you know, if this is a one-year thing because he had that chip on his shoulder because right. he wanted to get paid. You know, once he gets paid, you know – does he, you know, it's hard to eat when you're full. Is, is it going to be one of those type of scenarios? Yeah. So. I, I think they're going to re-sign him. You need some cornerback depth, depth, too. Remember, we thought cornerback was one of the strongest parts of the defense, and everybody got hurt. They were basically 
They got Andy Bunker to play defensive back for the Falcons one week. I think they're pulling people out of the stands. That's how bad it was. So you probably need a cornerback depth. You save that. Probably save that to the third round, I would imagine, right? Left guard, you got Elijah Wilkinson. He hasn't played badly. He's been okay. The run defense has been good, but the thing is, though, you got to really – the Falcons are going to want to open up and throw the ball a little bit more next. You've got Drake London, Kyle Pitts will be back. So you got to limit pressure up the, up the middle. Can you trust Elijah Wilkinson, what, uh, dominant center, and Caleb McGarry – well, not Caleb McGarry, your other guard position. Well, of course you can there, of course, because uh, Lindstrom's a, a pro bowler. It's interesting, though. But it's just, it's just got to be all defense. Probably need some linebacking help as well. I don't know. I just hope they draft defense, defense, and more defense and, and supplement the offensive line with some veterans. you got to bring in a veteran quarterback to push Desmond Ritter, too. No matter what he does on Sunday, yes, he, he led them on a game-winning drive on Sunday. That That was good. That's a – Huge confidence boost for him, especially getting his first win as an NFL starter. That's a very gratifying thing because, you know, we're, we're very casual back here and cavalier about it. We're not playing the game. It's very hard to win an NFL game. And when you win an NFL game, it's very exhilarating because it takes a lot of work, physical toll, you know, the whole thing. You got to bring in some – there's a lot of – Taylor Heineke's going to be a, a free agent. There's going to be several guys like that of that ilk that are going to be free agents who you could possibly bring in. And if Desmond Ritter doesn't do the job, I just don't think you waste a first-round pick on a quarterback. I just do not want to devote that much capital to a quarterback when you have so many other needs. And I've always maintained, you've seen many teams over the years win Super Bowls without necessarily having Patrick Mahomes under center. Dominant defenses has won, have won many a Super Bowl. Dominant defenses with a team that runs the ball very well, like the Falcons do, there's your two things right there. And a quarterback who's not a liability, who can make the occasional play, who is in command of the huddle, in command of the game plan, doesn't have to go out and throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns. We don't, he doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes for this team to win a Super Bowl. He just doesn't. So there's many directions the Falcons can go, though. But how about the Eagles, though, with multiple first-round picks? And think about win a Super Bowl this year, and they have two first-round picks next year. It's like, wow. It's clean hit, living right there. It's clean living, brother. And especially if they hit on those draft picks. you got to remember, about half of all first-round draft picks end up being pfft. It's an inexact science. So if you hit on those, it could make all the difference in the world. But if you have a bad draft, it could set your franchise back several years. We saw it with Thomas Dim- Dimitrov. We certainly did. I think Terry Fontenot probably a little bit better than Thomas. And Thomas had some moments. He did. He wasn't completely terrible. The the problem is, though, when he left the building, he left financial havoc in his wake. And we're paying for it right now. But this is the last year we have to deal with it. So if Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith are the talent evaluators, I think they are, they will be very good stewards of all that money that the Falcons will have. Rob Tribble in for uh, John Chuckering. will be with him for the uh, next couple of weeks. Just a little leave of absence. Just follow him on Twitter. And you'll get all the uh, recommended daily uh, allowance of snark uh, from him. And of course, uh, Hawks and uh, Kings coming up tonight, pregame at 9.30, tip time at 10 o'clock. And the Hawks, well, we, we've talked about that. 
there just seems to be such a disconnect between Nate McMillan and his, and his players. And we went over it earlier. The fundamental issue is Nate's not very good at developing players. He prefers polished players. And this roster only has two guys over the age of 25 and a lot of guys under 25 who haven't quite reached their potential yet. But Nate is hesitant to play those guys because they aren't polished enough. And what happens is they stagnate. They don't develop. And as a result, you're looking at a team that's under 500 in, a, in the ninth seed in the, uh, in the uh, East. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very frustrating time to be a Hawks fan. Maybe something can happen. Maybe something miraculous can happen. Landry Fields, here's your chance to prove your ilk as a GM. Got the trade deadline coming up. I don't know how much can possibly be done, to, but you never know. The trade deadline exists for a reason. Teams have gotten better at the trade deadline. I've seen teams win championships because of a move they made at the trade deadline. Otherwise, they would have been floundering the middle tier of the playoffs, maybe got into a conference finals with that trade they make at the deadline, put them over the top. We're going to come back. We're going to rank them. No telling where that active, agile mind of young Dylan Matthews is going to go. I'm just going to try to keep up and answer spontaneously. Sports Radio, 1990 Game.